Hey, it's Barbara Phillips with NPBO, and I wanted to give you a heads up on a webinar that we have coming up Thursday, May 16th, and it will be with a certified healthcare privacy person who has been in charge of a very large healthcare organization and their privacy compliance, HIPAA, and all of that sort of thing. And I think it's very important that all clinicians attend this one because HIPAA affects all of us. And so you can get more information about that at npbusiness.org forward slash privacy matters. And just another quick heads up after that, in June, we'll be talking with someone who has been in charge of the IT compliance to protect the organization. And so this one will be geared toward how do you protect yourself as well as your practice. And I'll be sharing more information about that later. So let's move on with the podcast. This is the NP Business Matters podcast, episode number eight, with Melanie Balestra on AB 890 in California. Hello and welcome to the NP Business Matters podcast. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner and the Clinician Business Institute, where since 2007, we've been providing education, resources, and support about the business of being a nurse practitioner. And to learn more, please visit our websites at npbusiness.com and theclinicianbusinessinstitute.com. Now, before I get into today's episode, I want to invite you to do three things. First, head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure that you're subscribed. Secondly, please leave a review because it helps people find our podcasts and share it with your colleagues. And finally, if you visit npbusiness.com forward slash podcast, you'll find the show notes not only for this episode, but for each and every one of our episodes, plus the resources and any other links to help you with the information that you are looking for. So today I'm talking with Melanie Balestra, a nurse practitioner and an attorney in California. Melanie works a lot with nurse practitioners is known for a lot of her work, works a lot with the California Association of Nurse Practitioners, which we'll talk about later in the episode. But right now we're talking about AB 890. So AB 890, which was passed and signed by Governor Newsom at the end of September 2020, is being touted as a full practice authority bill or law. And it isn't that, as you'll hear when we talk. In fact, at one point, um, I say to Melanie that this sounds even more restrictive. And, uh, and I believe that it is. But you'll have to hear about it and make your own decisions about that. But it is anything but full practice authority. So with that, let's get into the interview on the NP Business Podcast today with Melanie Balestra. I am so glad you've joined us again today. Um, and, and just to kind of do a little bit of a backtrack to let you know, there's been so many people who've gone back to the ABC 
um, recording that we did earlier this year and um, have gotten a lot of really good information, especially since more states are, are implementing that. But today we're going to talk about AB 890 that I keep hearing everyone says it's full practice authority for nurse practitioners in California. It was signed by Governor Newsom at the end of September. So what can you tell us about what this really is? Okay, it is not, eventually it will get to full practice authority. At this point in time, um, there is, all. the only time they mentioned is by um, 2023, um, the board will implement all these things to, to be done. Um, and just before I start this too, I wanna mention, I don't know how many MPs are aware that um, the president signed an executive order in 2019, which uh, wanted to eliminate all excessive supervision requirements that prevents APRNs and PAs from delivering appropriate diagnosis and quality care. And he also wanted to provide for equal pay for PAs and MPs for equal services. And I don't think a lot of MPs know about this and it was supposed to be implemented within a year, but then again, um, you know, the states um, have come up what, what they want. But bottom line, I don't think many people realize that the president is very supportive of MPs and PAs. I don't think that's ever come out in the news or anything else because it's not considered that important, but he is. Right. And that was actually signed. Um, I just did um, a recording with someone that hasn't been released yet, but he had signed it at that apparently back in April and again in October. But again, how that's going to be implemented you know, on a state-by-state -state basis um, with all these varying rules is going to be very different. Yeah. It's, so. It's a shame, but federally, we are far more supported federally than we are. Well, especially in California, um, we're not supported very much, but um, we certainly, you know, as we've seen have, um, you know, federal support. Uh, but like I said, I think I've said before, and in law school, you learn that federal law supersedes state law, but in actual practice, unfortunately, that does not happen. Right, right. I mean, I'm in Missouri. So, mm -hmm. you know, I we may even be further behind California. Well, at this point, we are further behind California. Right. You know, at least now you've got some kind of legislation signed. Mm -hmm. So, but what, what does 890 actually allow a nurse practitioner to do? Well, this is it. it it's complicated. Um, they are going to have a nurse practitioner advisory committee. We did want to get our own board because um, the PAs have their own board, but the BRN did not like this and the CNA was not in favor of this. And of course the CNA is very controlling. Uh, California Nurses Association, which is a union association in California. So they will appoint a committee and um, the committee is going to be uh, made up of two physicians, make sure I have this right, um, two uh, MPs uh, and uh, one public member. 
And the two physicians will have to have demonstrated that they have worked with MPs. Um, and then the one public member, I would imagine, will be somebody associated with the union in some way. And the BRN is the one choosing these members. Um, so uh, I am concerned because uh, thus far um, the, the BRN has chosen, chosen members of the BRN that are in line with the way they think. So it's, I don't know how, what they're gonna end up with. Um, the other thing um, is that um, these, uh, this advisory committee is going to be providing recommendations or guidance to the BRN uh, considering disciplinary actions against the MP. Uh, and hopefully this will be better because at the present time, our BRN doesn't really understand what MPs can and cannot do. So this is a problem in itself. Um, and then they will authorize MPs who meet certain education requirements, which they uh, will define and experience and certification requirements to perform in certain settings, organizations, or specified functions without SPs. Now, what in the world does this mean? Okay, let me get to that because it's gonna be interesting. You think you, you're, we're gonna be able to go forward without anything in writing, but we're not. Um, so what they're going to do is name the uh, functions <coughs> that we can do in certain settings, such as a hospital or a physician's office or that, that kind of thing. And we're going to have to meet those requirements for those functions. And they will be diagnostic function. It goes into TDL laboratory functions, interpreting um, those tests. So those will be specified. Okay. This sounds more like protocols. <laughs> you, yes. Um, I, I am not a big fan of this law. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone thinks they're going to be practicing without anything. But the other thing that it discusses um, specifically too, you're going to have to have basically protocols for when you refer a physician um, to another, you know, or when you refer a patient out or what is an emergency situation. So those are protocols that are going to have to be written. Okay. Uh, so we're not going to do without protocols completely. Um, and then um, they will decide whether they will accept a national certification exam or not, or this may not be sufficient because what the board wants to do is have their own exams. Now, it doesn't say a general exam or whether going for everything, like will there be a PMP, an FMP, a, you know, like we have for mm -hmm. um, national. It, it doesn't specify that, but you will have to pass the national and you will have to pass the board exam um, in order to be certified. But, um, you know, they have to 2023 20, to develop these exams. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure who is going to write them, what their background is going to be, uh, but I don't quite understand why they don't feel the national certification exams are sufficient. 
but this is what they want. And they want, it's the Office of Professional Examination Services. I didn't even know there was that office, but there is. Or something equivalent to this office. Since I don't know much about the office, I don't know what would be equivalent to perform an occupational analysis of MPs performing the function specified. So what this means to me is they are going to be sending people out to where MPs are practicing and evaluating those MPs to see if they can perform the specific functions that they have mentioned. Okay, so this is all going to be done by 2023, January 1. And um, they're also stating that, you know, as I said, NPs have passed a national board exam and any supplemental exam. Um, and um, they have to, they can also provide documentation that educational training was consistent with the standards established by the BRN. And to this, you know, I see more of right now, our board says you can only perform what you learned in your MP program. So like if you're doing injections, uh, joint injections or pellets or anything like that, you have to be able to demonstrate that you had the didactic, the clinical, the evaluations, and the experience to do that in writing. Otherwise, um, if you go before the board and you don't have any of this, they will say that this is outside your scope of practice because it wasn't in the program that you um, that you went to. So let me, yeah. I'm trying to figure out what the advantage to any of this is, but with what you were just talking about, so many of us, we get out of our programs and then we go and learn in other programs, mm -hmm. whether it's some kind of a continuing education programs, sometimes certified, sometimes not. Mm -hmm. So are they actually saying that those would not qualify because it wasn't in the original nurse practitioner program? No, they would have to have those proof, those certificates and everything. Okay. So okay. what it's saying, basically, like if, um, like in PEDS, I, I learned a lot, not through just a certification, but working with a pediatrician and that type of thing, you learn mm -hmm. to do different things. Right. Okay. Unless I can show that, you know, who the physician is that taught me, how many hours we spent, blah, 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 blah. I really couldn't do those procedures because they were not in my MP program. Okay. So um, that needs that specific specificity. Okay, uh, I'm going to my cheat sheets here because this is it's so complicated. Um, and then if you want to get into um, independent practice eventually, you have to go through a transition in practice of a minimum of three full equivalent years of practice or 4,600 hours. So you have to practice under a, like I'd have to practice under a pediatrician for 4,600 hours or three years of practice. And he would have to, he or she would then have to um, evaluate me and state that, you know, I was safe and I 
you know, could go independent practice. However, if you meet all the above requirements, you may practice including but not limited to performing the authorized function in one of the following settings or organizations in which one or more physicians practice with the MP without SPs. So in other words, I'd have to go through the transition of doing all that. Then I get to where I can practice without standardized procedures in the following settings. In health care agencies that have governing bodies um, that are pursuant to um, the law, which would be like a hospital, um, a physician's office, uh, a federally qualified clinic, that kind of thing. Um, so you could do that kind of thing. Uh, but they are allowing us to, like if in, we're in hospital, we are eligible to attend meetings of the department to which we are assigned. Um, we cannot vote though, unless it's regarding determination of an MP privileges with the organization or peer review. So we can sit on the committee, but we can only vote on something that concerns MPs. Mm -hmm. um, and what they've say, stated, MPs can perform the following with um, S standardized procedures, order perform and interpret diagnostic procedures, radiologic um, exams, establish primary and differential diagnoses, diagnose, prescribe, order, dispense, uh, and have an MA working. And we have to inform, we've always informed patients that we're not a physician. But now if we have a Spanish patient and my Spanish is horrible, we have to say we are an enfera especializada, okay? Um, and so if you did not say that to a, Sp a Spanish patient, you could get in trouble. So what I will have to do, I mean, I'll literally have to write it down because, uh, you know, I don't speak Spanish. I can understand some of it, but I, I start speaking Spanish and suddenly everybody knows a little English. So that's kind of what happens there. And also... Um, in hospitals, we are going to be what they have are 805 hearings, and that's if you uh, do something wrong in a hospital, uh, the physicians report you to the medical board uh, under an 805, what they call an 805 hearing, and so the same thing is going to be done for MPs, only it will be with the BRN, and personally, I'd rather go before the board, medical board, than I would the BRN. But this is, this is something that the BRN is then going to have to become proficient at, too, doing these kinds of hearings, which they don't know um, exactly. So, okay. Um, okay, I was wrong, too. The N NP Advisory Committee, it's four, four MPs, not two. Four MPs two physicians, one public member. Okay. Um, we are also going to be liable for stark and kickback laws. So in other words, if you practice in um, a practice and say you own part of a lab or uh, part of something else that you're referring the patient to, 
then you are going to have to do exactly what physicians do. And that's is you're going to have to notify patients that you own a you know, percentage of this. And so you can get a profit. So you're going to have to tell the patient they can go to, you know, all of these different places and right. they can choose. And, and that's something I've always ethically recommended. Yes, so, I've always done that. Yeah. So I, that to me is nothing new, but, mm-hmm. but they seem to think it's new. Um, and the intent of the legislature for this, okay, is not to be an undue or unnecessary burden to license or practice for MPs. Now, uh, I'm not sure why they consider that undue or, you know, I, it's just totally beyond me because I think this is very much an undue practice. Um, Let me get, I had these in order and somebody got into them. Okay. Um, All right. Uh, And I've gone into what we can do with standardized procedures. Okay. You are going to have to put a notice in a conspicuous location accessible to public view that you are regulated by the BRN and include the BRN phone number, internet website. And this has to be, and you have to mention where um, they can go to make a complaint against you. And this has to be in public view. You know, most like physicians, they you have to have your license in public view, but you have to have all of this in public view stating this. I guess they assume more people are going to want to sue MPs. I don't know. Um, MPs will have to have professional liability insurance. And this is something I recommend all the time anyhow. Right, so that to right. me is no biggie. Um, and you have to refer to a physician or other health care provider if it's outside your scope. That's not new or different either. Okay. Um, the BRN will issue a certificate to perform functions outside of settings and the organizations of an MP. So that would be like in, a, in an independent setting if they meet all the requirements that has been specified previously, you know, their certifications, um, the hours and all of that, you have to hold a valid and active RN license and have a master's or related um, field. And they don't specify what a related field is or a DMP. And you have to be in good standing for at least two years not inclusive of the transition required. So you'd have to be in, so you would have like five years, two years where you're in good standing plus the three years. And the BRN can lower this requirement for an MP that has a DMP that is based on practice experience. So if you practice, um, you know, if you don't do just a, either a research study or something that doesn't include patients, if you do something that includes patients in your DMP, then they can use that as the good standing requirement and you can get your private practice. Uh, and they may charge a fee 
um, in an amount to cover the regulatory, which right now I pay, I think it's a little over $500 for all my licenses in California. Mm -hmm. So there would be an additional license. And just in comparison, my bar license isn't that much. So you're paying more to be an MP than to be an attorney. Is that per year? Uh, Every two years. Every two years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So beginning January 1, 2023, if the MP holds an active certification issued by the BRN, they can perform functions specified outside of settings or organizations specified. So to me, if it's specified, then it has to be in writing. So in other words, um, it would say that I could, I could do um, joint injections outside. I could do uh, pellet uh, insertions outside, but it would have to specify what I could do outside. Now, they may broaden. Right now, um, our scope of practice is it's not truly defined. Most states have a scope of practice for RNs, and then a separate scope for MPs. California does not. We're all with the RNs. So they are going to have to write these specifications out um, because otherwise the BRN can come after you and say, you know, you're doing something that is not specified outside your normal scope of practice. So they can go after you. So you're going to have to be very careful. Uh, You may be eligible for membership of an organized medical staff if you go through everything. And you may vote at the meetings of a department assigned if there is no conflict. So these are the things that you can do beginning January 2023. It does not specify because I had an MP um, who works at the clinic I do and the clinical director, we went in to do our yearly, um, you know, update for SPs and everything. And the clinical director said, so-and-so said, we can just throw these out. We don't need these anymore. And I'm going, no, 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 no. You can't do that because the bill does not say whether this is going to occur in 2023 or whether it may occur before then. So don't throw out your standardized procedures. Definitely. Um, You want to keep them. Okay. Um, And the MP shall comply with the following. Again, they shall not practice beyond their scope, evaluation, and training. So anything you do not learn in your nurse practitioner school, you must have these three things, or they will say that you're outside your scope. Mm -hmm. And they're actually doing that now um, because I've had quite a few, well, I won't say quite a few, but several MPs who are doing um, joint injections. And I have some that are doing stem cell injections and I'm danger, 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 because this is not something you learned in your nurse practitioner program. So you definitely need to you know, be able to specify how you were trained and why you are, you know, this is within your scope. The MP shall consult and collaborate with other healing art providers based on clinical condition 
of the patient individualized protocols and following circumstances. Now, this is what you're gonna have to have protocols for according to this. Emergent condition, acute decompensation, problem not resolving, and H&P or lab findings that are inconsistent with your clinical perspective and upon request of the patient. So you are going to have to some, have some kind of protocols on these to show, be able to show that these are the times that you will you know, refer the patient out. Now, the other thing that it does not mention is those of us who've been practicing for eons. Are we gonna be grandfathered in? Are we gonna to have to take this exam they develop? I don't know. I have no idea. It says absolutely nothing about grandfathering in. And I think in California now, I think we have around 15, 16,000, might even be more MPs. So <clears throat> I've already gotten phone calls you know, from MPs who don't have masters that, you know, went to programs. I think it was up in Northern California, Davis, they had a program and that it's probably 25, 30 years ago that didn't require a master's. And then um, Medicare, of course, came in and, and Medicaid saying that you had a master's degree. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of nurse practitioners function in a private practice and it wasn't um, a specification for private insurances and that kind of thing. So I've been working under their setting. So they have called me and said, do I need to get a master's degree? Um, unless the BRN grandfathers these MPs in, yes, you have to have a master's degree. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot of questions like this coming up. And um, Presently, there aren't any answers. Um, I know the people that were involved in um, making this bill and the push was to get something through in California. Um, and their thinking was, even if we get something in really restrictive, we've got something in and then we can, um, you know, uh, um, can't think of it, amend it right. later on. But my experience in, leg in legislative um, changes is it's, it's difficult to change things. It is better to get a law in that you want. And if something isn't clear to amend it at a later date. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I'm sure you can see um, how many amendments come in. And what I basically summarized it, um, what standardized procedures elimination takes place, when, where, how, will there be grandfathering? If so, how are these decisions gonna be made? And how are these evaluations gonna be made? Are they going to be, uh, this, this people from this evaluation committee, are they gonna be MPs? Are they gonna be physicians? Are they gonna be what I call people off the street, um, you know, who have just been trained to do this, because right now we have in within our board, 
the evaluations are not done by anybody with a nursing or medical background. The um, analysis for cases is done when it goes to the board. It is done by somebody who has been trained in analysis for a day. It is not, it is not an analyzed. So that an, anal, analyst decides whether it should go to an expert witness or should be dismissed or, you know, that kind of thing. And that concerns me because I also represent clients in Arizona. And in Arizona, the Board of Nursing, if I have an MP client, I have an MP um, investigator. Right. So they understand what I'm saying. And it's not that the investigators are bad people or bad, but they, uh, they are like investigators. Like if you go and make an appoint, complaint to the police department and they investigate, oops, sorry, something, then um, why is this not there? Um, then, you know, they evaluate. So um, these investigators are investigators doing the best they can, but they have absolutely, you know, no understanding. You know, they can say this is black or this is white, but um, they, they don't understand, like if you're trying to explain, well, this is what happened and this is how it occurred, um, that there were extenuating circumstances and that kind of thing. Well, they don't put everything together. Right. Whereas if somebody's a nurse practitioner or a nurse, they can say, oh, well, I've been in that same situation. So mm -hmm. I can see how this backed up or that happened. Mm -hmm. And so they don't understand that. And then you send it to an analyst who doesn't have any understanding. Mm -hmm. And then it goes to the board. I mean, California gets probably around 500 cases a month. So, so that in, in a quick nutshell is... Uh, what ABA 90 is. So I don't recommend that anybody stop doing standardized procedures or stop anything that they're doing now until there's clarification when these can stop, who's going to tell you to stop. You know, if you stop the standardized procedures, are you going to have to have protocols, you know, to determine when it's an emergence condition and, you know, all of this. These are all unanswered questions. Um, and I would assume um, that the board is going to keep us informed and you know let us know when things are going to take place. But that's hard to say too because we still have the COVID going on, so things have still slowed down in the government. Um, so I would tell everybody not to get too excited yet and to just you know follow what you've been following until you hear about absolute changes and when they're going to take effect. Yeah, yeah. So I know when we've talked before, and I've talked to other people in California, um, and, and I know about, you know, the lack of, you know, defined scope of practice, and you still had to have the protocols and standardized procedures. And, and maybe I'm just, you know, not getting it, but What's the advantage here? Um, I think they're hoping that eventually MPs will be able to have their own practice. But again, they are going to have to have 
certain types of protocols in place. Right. Maybe it won't have to be as lengthy as the standardized procedures um, because they don't, they don't, you know, there's, there's a definition, but you, you're still not sure of what they have in their mind. And you won't know until they say something. And the thing that makes me afraid too, is if they don't specify something, then you could do something and get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And so I don't see it as a great advantage at this point in time, mm -hmm. personally and legally, I don't, because you, you still have to meet all of this criteria, jump through all these hoops. And maybe the um, advisory committee will advise them that they don't think this, this is good or this should be changed or that kind of thing. And they will listen to them, but there, there isn't any guarantee of that right. at all yeah. either. And it's probably really too early to say, but when I keep hearing people tell me that this is full practice, this does not sound like full practice to me, not no. anywhere near, because already you, you had some of these things in place, but it also sounds like it might be almost more restrictions you know, this yes. idea of having to take yet another test when all around the country, all we need is a yes. national certification through our yes. certifying bodies. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. I, I'm afraid that it may be end up being more restrictive for MPs. That's yeah, what frightens that's, me. That's what I'm hearing. And it just, boy, it makes me more okay. sad. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely think um, things are going... I, I'm afraid it's going to be more restrictive. I really am. Um, but again, it it depends on the board um, because the board was not supportive of full practice authority. Um, so, what? Um, so, so am I correct in that the board doesn't have an APRN representative? It does. Um, I think, yeah, I think um, the lady that's the representative, unless they got a new one, the, the last one I excuse me, remembered was a retired MP um, that they had appointed. Okay. So um, there's not, to my knowledge, an active um, MP on the board. Okay. So, you know, what this is, is telling me from my perspective is the work in California is nowhere near done. Oh, no, no. And in fact, it may have taken a step back. Yes, yes. And like I say, it's, you know, I think the hope was for the, the people that worked on the bill, and they worked really hard on this bill, um, was the hope that, you know, if we can get this through, then maybe we can convince people and, um, you know, if they see what's going on in other states. But, you know, we're surrounded by independent states. Uh, we're kind of, you know, the, the I only know, one you're the only pocket, one on the West Coast. The only one on the West Coast. Um, so I think that's what their hope was, that you know, that if we can just get something through and if we can get this committee going, um, that, you know, maybe they'll look at things mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, not have as many restrictions going forward. 
So it's definitely uh, in progress, but I, I get, I'm getting emails and phone calls. So when, when can I start practicing independently? And it's like, mm, not for a while. And definitely with the independence can't occur till 2023. But again, how are we, how are we going to evaluate MPs? How is this committee going to evaluate MPs? How many are they going to evaluate? Um, what is the criteria? I mean, we don't know any of this. I mean, are they going to go to perhaps some of the um, MP programs and appoint, you know, people from those programs who know what MPs do and that kind of thing? Or, like I said, are they going to have the man off the street? Right. I don't know. Right. There's no way of knowing because there's no specification. No. And, and even though, you know, essentially that's two years away, Mm -hmm. January 2023. Let's assume we're just about to 2021. Um, that's a lot of work to get done in those two it years is. with everything else that is going mm -hmm. on in the world and the way that um, rules and regulations just seem to drag on and on. Uh -huh. So it doesn't even sound like I, if I was in California, I would not be holding my breath. No. Um, for 2021. And I would um, just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, that, that's what you can do because I, I, I would want to see everything in writing before I started changing my practice in any way mm -hmm. uh, because ignorance is no defense of the law, as they say. Yeah. So you can't say, well, I thought it's dead. They go, mm-mm. Sorry, yeah, we that doesn't work. That. I don't know. Just doesn't work. And like I said, hopefully, maybe the the advice because it doesn't say when they're going to appoint the advisory committee. Are they going to do that before the end of the year, or are they going to do that starting the beginning of next year? And like I said, my hope is that uh, with the advisory committee, you know, maybe they can possibly get some things changed. But again, I'm not going to hold my breath on that either. Yeah. yeah. So. How, you know, there's already multiple NPs in California that, that own their own nursing corporation. They mm -hmm. have their own businesses um, and they're, they're working by protocols. They have a collaborating physician. Mm -hmm. How is, is this going, this is not going to, from what I'm hearing, it doesn't mm -hmm. sound like this would really make a difference for them, they're still going to have to have, well, they're going to have to have more stuff in their yeah. procedures, but other than that, they can still go forth and have these nursing corporations. Yes. And, and the thing is too, they ha have to remember the patients are the physician's patients right now. If we get independence, then they will be ours, but they're the physician's patients. So they're basically providing the services for the physician's patients. I mean, that's the way you have to look at it because they're not their own patients. They can never be their own patients right now. They are the physician's patients. So if and, I was in, in Santa Cruz mm -hmm. and I had my own nursing corporation mm -hmm. practice, mm -hmm. I have my collaborator. Mm -hmm. My, my patients are not mine. Is that Correct. what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're his patients. So, um, and right now I'm involved in a case. What's unfortunate, it is a solo practitioner. Never be a solo practitioner. Never call yourself a solo practitioner because the board goes up in arms. And um, the problem arose is 
someone said she she's a DMP and she called herself doctor. And we've been going around and round about this for ages. I mean, chiropractors are doctors, optometrists call themselves doctors. Why can't we call ourselves a doctor when we have a doctorate? If you have a doctorate. Right. Yeah, everybody else does in a university, you know, they call them doctors. And I said, well, what's on your name tag? she didn't have a name tag. I said, Oh my God, that's the first thing you have to have. You need a name tag. And on your name tag, you put your name and then you put your credentials. And I said, it is. And the thing that's a problem too, is like, I don't have my doctorate, but I go in and introduce myself and I say, hi, I'm Melanie. I'm your pediatric nurse practitioner. And I'm going to be taking care of you today. Never fails. They're walking out the door. Thanks doc. Right. You know, I mean, right. it's it's and so you can do everything. And, and especially this this having to say this with Hispanic patients, they're still going to call me doctor, you know, so yes. Uh, yes. that's I, always been the case. Always, mm -hmm, always. And it's just um, it's just unfortunate uh, because she's doing excellent work and I and she has a collaborating. She's done everything right. But. The, you can't be in so there is no such thing as solo practice in, in California. Your practice is with a collaborating physician, a supervising physician. You don't have a solo practice. You don't have an independent practice because the practice, the patients in actuality are the patients of your doctor. They're not your patients, even though you're seeing them and you're treating them. They are not your patients. They are the physician's patients. So um, anytime you say it's my practice you can get in trouble because it isn't your practice. You're seeing the physician's patients. So even in a nursing corporation, it mm -hmm. is not yours. No, nope. I mean, I know in a medical and, practice, because mm -hmm. the physician owns 51%. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not, it's, it's yours, but it's not your patients. Okay. Your corporation is providing, you know, it's incorporated to protect you and everything, but it's providing services for the collaborating physician. It's well, not yours. I mean, it's yours, but it's not. I don't yeah. know how. I, I think this is so important for people to hear because I I hear people always talk about being independent. And yeah. quite frankly, I think that's the wrong term because sure, nobody totally. practices mm -mm. independently. Nope. I, I mm -mm. Even though I had my own practices for years in Washington State where we have full practice authority mm -hmm. and have since early, we were one of the earlier states up there, it still wasn't independent. It yeah. was, I was autonomous and I still mm -hmm. called on my colleagues when I needed them. Exactly. And that would, I think would be a much healthier way to approach and look at practice in, mm -hmm. in my opinion anyway. Mm -hmm. Because even with your nursing corporation and providing services, you still need to periodically talk to the doctor and show that, you know, yes, you are working with the doctor. It isn't an independent practice. Right. There is no such thing. Right. Right. Well, I don't think there is an independent state in autonomy, full practice yeah. authority. State. Yeah. Right. Like I said, right. I could pick up the phone and talk to the cardiologist, mm -hmm. the neurologist, you know, whoever I needed to speak with. Um, on behalf of that patient. And, and what I have seen is MPs will refer or consult faster than physicians. If you have an FMP and um, a family practice doc, 
family practice doc, like if there's a, a heart problem, you know, they may fiddle around with it for a while before they refer to a cardiologist. The FMP, if they determine that they think there is something wrong, they won't fiddle around. They will refer out to the cardiologist. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know why um, so many physicians and so many people don't understand that because we will refer much sooner than most physicians will refer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It, it's um, so, like I said, I've been hearing so much about um, what is it? AB 890. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't quite sure. And, and now hearing from you, um, I, I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That yeah. I, yeah. You know, cross our fingers and, you know, hope for the best. And, but that's all we can do. And right now uh, we have a, um, uh, on the ballot um, 22, uh, which is putting forward for like, um, Uber and Lyft. So I'm hoping that we do get something in next year for healthcare providers to exempt us. But somebody was telling me that even if they um, pass AB 22, that the legislature can still deny it somehow. I haven't checked on that, but I thought, well, that, that would be interesting. Yeah. And so for those who don't understand what this part is, we're talking about the clauses, the, the ABC test for independent contractor. Contractor. Yeah. yeah. And I'm hoping that other states, you know, don't adapt it. Um, and I, I'm not sure of any other states that have, but they say they are. And I'm just hoping they don't because it's going to be harmful to so many people. Right. I actually, I was just looking at this yesterday be, before we're doing the recording because of a talk I'm getting ready to do and the number of states that have adopted either all three of the ABC rules um, is growing. Some of them have adopted AB or mm -hmm. AC, mm -hmm. um, but majority, it seems like most states are beginning to adopt that. And, you know, as we said before, it really comes down to, for the states, it comes down to money, to mm -hmm. revenue. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just have to see what the future of this bill brings and right. Right. And hopefully some good things will come from it. Um, and like I said, at least with the advisory committee, maybe they, they will be able to be more convincing that, you know, MPs don't need everything in writing all the time and, um, right. you know, can actually provide these services. And, and certainly not an additional test. No, I mean, especially for those of those that have been practicing for a few years, mm -hmm. um, I would, I would hate to take a test. Yeah, I, I am tested out, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the way I feel, but, um, you know, we'll just have to see, you know, what they decide. Yeah. So in the meantime, NPs in California, don't throw away your standardized procedures. Mm -mm. And where can they make sure that they're keeping up with what's happening? Uh, actually, if they belong to CAMP, California Association of Nurse Practitioners, mm -hmm. and I I recommend uh, the MP I was talking to yesterday probably wouldn't have done what he did if he had belonged to the association because 
part of the association, if you belong to them, you get like three 15 minute sessions with me per year. Really? So, yes. So you can either pay me, you know, if you don't belong for 15 and I, my charges are 400 an hour. So you can, you know, to pay um, CAMP, you know, which is less amount and you get 15, con you know, three consultations with me a year is not a bad deal. And CAMP keeps up with everything. And if the majority of MPs belong to CAMP, then we could have additional um, uh, lobbyists because we only have one. Oh, and for all of California, mm -hmm, we have CAMP only has one lobbyist. That's all we can afford. So we could have more lobbyists with more lobbyists. We would be able to push through better bills for us. But, mm -hmm. you know, Christy, our lobbyist is just working full bore and it's a very difficult position for her because there's so many things like the AB 22 came up and then we're trying to do this. I mean, it's an impossible job for one person. For one person. So if, you know, even if even half of the MPs belong to CAMP, we would have that much more money to get another lobbyist so christy would have help in doing what she does because hers is over a full-time job right right and not only that they'd have access to you right they would have and, access. you to know me. for people who think oh 15 minutes is nothing let me tell you mm -hmm. that's a lot of time so much can be accomplished i do for npbo members i do 10 minute um office hours mm -hmm. um we do them every other week and um it, if we get a huge amount of stuff done, even in 10 minutes. Uh -huh. So, yeah. so yeah, join if yeah. you're not. And in fact, with, with laws that pass like this, to me, that's even more, a more important reason why you need to join your professional organizations. Mm -hmm. So yeah, anyway, we'll leave it at that. Thank you okay. so much today. Okay. You're welcome. Have a Good great luck. day. Yeah. Bye -bye. <laughs> Thanks. Keep your fingers crossed for us. I will. Okay. All right. Thanks. So thank you once again to Melanie Balestra for sharing her information about what is happening in California. And I want to make sure that you head on over to npbusiness.com forward slash podcast so that you can connect with Melanie. Over there, you will find the information for her website, for the um, links to the California Association of Nurse Practitioner. And I highly encourage you to go ahead and um, check those things out. This is a, a topic that is far from being done. The rules are not yet written. And so this is crucial for you, particularly if you're in California, to keep up to date with what is going on. So I want to thank you for taking the time out to listen and or watch this particular episode of the NP Business Podcast. This is Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the NP Business Podcast. Bye-bye now. <music>